Hey, Sarasota, it's Bob. So it's been a wonderful grind over the past 18 months. We've had some fabulous guests. We've produced over 150 episodes. and We've had over 10,000 listens from you wonderful folks in the greater Sarasota area. It's been a lot of fun, but also it's been a lot of work. And so we've decided to take a little bit of a break until this fall. When you check out other podcasts, you're going to see that most put out a new episode only once a week. We put out two, so of course that means there's twice the work. A lot of show notes, scheduling, guests, editing, etc., etc., etc. So we've decided to take a little break for the rest of the summer and we will resume this fall. And we'll let you know. But before I sign off, can you do me a little favor? Reach out to us via Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Drop us a little note. I'd like to know more about what you want to hear when we resume in the next couple of weeks. That'd be a big help because without you, dear listener, we would not exist. As always, thank you for tuning in. Have a wonderful summer, and we'll be back soon where you can listen, learn, and connect. Hello, Sarasota. This is Bob. Just wanted to give you a heads up that Friday, August 12th, we have a special episode with Ron Turner, Supervisor of Elections for Sarasota County. I thought it was important to get him in here at this time because on August 23rd, we have a primary election. So it'll give you an opportunity to hear how elections are conducted in Sarasota County. Also, they're short of poll workers. So if you would like to really get an insight on how local elections are conducted, you can sign up to become a poll worker and earn a couple bucks. Simply go to sarasotavotes.gov, click on that tab, poll workers, and you can sign up for date and time that works for you. Appreciate it. So on to today's show. It is safe to say that hope springs eternal for every young music artist wanting success in the hyper-competitive entertainment world. But if initial recordings are any indication, my bet is that Sarasota's own may have a real music future that many of us will hear about for years to come. Hi, I'm your host, Bob Williams, and I believe one of the keys to any community is when you listen to each other's stories. It's one of the true insights to the local culture and connects us in a way that cannot be done any other way. In fact, that's why I created the Sarasota Stories podcast. I started it so that you could get connected just a little deeper in this wonderful community we call home. In each episode, I interview a neighbor of ours who is doing great work and impacting our town in positive ways. So you'll hear from authors, artists, entrepreneurs, civic leaders, and others share how they chose their profession what they're working on now, and what their plans are for the future. My guest today was a real pleasure to have on the show. Enthusiastic, a great speaking voice with an even better singing voice. He goes by Miumbra. In today's episode, he will share, one thing most people don't know about him, the musical influences that molded his unique style, where you can hear his live performances locally, and much, much more. We do thank you for stopping by and hope that you will listen learn, but most importantly, that you will connect. Miambra, welcome to the Sarasota Stories podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. It is a pleasure to have you on. And you know what I, I do love about social media is that we can take a look at who's doing great work in the greater Sarasota area. And I can't recall really how we came across you. I think it was on Instagram and we saw that you had, you're, you're starting to get some real traction. You have some great followers. I thought, you know, I haven't had an up and coming 
artists such as yourself. I said, I got to get this guy on the podcast. So it's a pleasure <laughs> to have you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I mean, I like I was telling you in the pre-show, I love podcasts. And when I saw that there was a high-quality podcast that was run and, <laughs> and managed by someone who you could tell really cares about what they're doing, I was like, listen, I know that I'm not maybe their target audience, but I got to get on. I got to talk to this guy. Well, that's, that, that's great. And uh, I, I'm glad that you kind of reached out because, you know, now you're building your book of, of music and you're building your book of content. And so uh, I'm just glad to do this uh, together with you. So I'll tell you what, before we get into your music and how you fell in love with the industry and whatnot, question I always like to ask is what's one thing that most people don't know about you? So I thought, I thought long and hard about what I was going to say. And I think the thing that might be the most surprising is I'm a tennis player. I was a... I was a competitive tennis player for like my entire life. I come from a big tennis family. Oh, cool. And that was a huge part of uh, growing up for me was <laughs> playing tennis. Oh, well, great. Do you, do you still play now or are you pretty busy with your music? I, I always make time to play with my grandfather. Cool. He's the guy who got me into it. And we play a few times a week. And he's nearly 70 years old but can still kick my butt on the tennis court. <laughs> well, as someone who's in his 60s, I appreciate that very much now. Go, Grandpa. Go, <laughs> Go Grandpa. grandpa. That's great. That's great. Well, listen, are are you native Sarasotan? Yes. Okay, cool. Cool. Well, so so where did your love of music and performing come from? I think that my love for music came from the passion that I saw other performers bring to the table when I was a kid. I I love Michael Jackson. I love all the Motown stuff and sure. that that era of performance is like, you know, second to none. But I also um although I'm not super close with my father, um he he recently passed away, but although I wasn't very close with him, he was a a uh, very popular uh, musician and performer in Tampa. Cool. And I think I mean obviously that blood, you know, that's a that's a that's right. That's a genetic thing it's got to be. And so Seeing him, you know, on and off and, and kind of seeing that lifestyle was probably a, you know. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So I, I obviously our parents have a big influence on us. One, I actually have a brother who's kind of in the, well, he, no, he's definitely in the industry. He has a, uh, a, a backline business in the Tampa area. And so he's mm. one of the, he's over the last 10, 12 years, he's really built it up and he provides all the musical equipment to uh, a lot of the, Traveling artists and whatnot. He did the Super Bowl not too long ago oh, when wow. it was in Tampa, and uh, so that was a good show. That was a good yeah, show. Now yeah, yeah. I'm not really musically oriented and whatnot, but I hear a lot of the stuff that he does, and uh, it's you know he does cruise ships and and <laughs> um, you know Hard Rock Cafe, and so he provides all the backline, and so I I, I kind of live vicariously through him, and uh, that's kind of like my my connection to the music industry. But um, well, let's let's talk a little bit about. Um, you know, your style of music and kind of how you you came across it, because you have about a half a dozen tracks that you've laid out there on uh, Spotify and also mm -hmm. YouTube. And we're going to direct people there to how they can find out more about you. But how did you kind of, you know, navigate and, and move into the style of music that you have? Well, first off, describe the style of music. That right, you right. Yeah, I would say I would say that, you know, me, Umbra is a is a blend between R&B and some of the some of the the faster more up tempo you know parts of R&B a lot of that a lot of that Motown inspired R&B yep. but um a blend between that and you know dance pop like that's what I grew up on um my mom was a big a big metal head you know she loved metal and she loved uh rock music <laughs> is so that right is it's that like right that and then the jazz musician dad right so you've got oh, these like wow. two kind of huge titans of different sounds that blend together and I think that 
when I perform, I always look to the audience and I'm always interested in the seeing what they kind of what they center around and what what they like the most and what you can see that they're vibing to the most. And yeah. it's always different because Sarasota is such a it's such a blend of different types of people. And it's great that I have those different musical backgrounds to be able to be like, oh, we can play this kind of song or that kind of song and get people dancing. Sarasota is a fascinating town given how small it is, but it's really a melting pot. And you have a lot of musicians that have retired here yeah. and just, you know, younger crowd that's creating music like yourself. And so, yeah, Sarasota, I think is a great small music town. I mean, it's not Nashville, but, uh, <laughs> it's not Nashville, it's not Nashville, it's not Chicago, but, or Atlanta uh, or any of those places, yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. still its own beautiful entity. And I love it. Yeah. Cool. Well, so tell me about your first gig. So, okay, so this kind of brings into my musical origin story. So I only started writing, I only even started considering music just a few years ago, like yeah. right before quarantine. I was actually working at Suncoast Community Church, and I was in their youth program, which I was leading, and I was very happy. I, I was planning on doing criminal justice in college. I was 17. Yep. Yep. That was my route. And all of the people that work there were worship musicians. They were creative people. They were designers. They were you know, amazing mentors, amazing uh, figures to have in my life. And they kind of were like, well, you're not a musician. You look like you could be a musician. You should try that. <laughs> and so I remember I got this, like, one of them, um, you know, Ryan Bauckham, uh, uh lended me like a 12-year-old MacBook and was and it had uh, some music software on it. And he's like, play around with this. It's no big deal. Try to do something every day for an hour. And in six months, you'll be good. And that's what I did. I, I I learned everything through YouTube and I just tried to, you know, not even singing, just just writing. And ultimately, I was connected with some other people like um, Brady Miller and James Harper. And we decided to throw kind of like an impromptu band together and start right. gigging. And so my first show was at The Reserve, which is a like a coffee shop and bar and restaurant um, on 41. And I was I just did backup vocals. And I sure. was terrified. <laughs> oh, sure. But, but it was um, it was it was so funny because I got uh, funnily enough, I actually got really poor feedback. <laughs> and when I played there a couple <laughs> years later, uh, I got such positive feedback. And that was a huge indication of growth for me was like play the same venue, but you play it on your terms this time. And that growth is there. And so I always I'll always love the reserve for giving me my first my first chance, my first spot. Well, I can't remember who said it. I don't know if it was Jordan Peterson or one of us. You know, they, they, you know, the statement is, you know, start off doing it badly. Yeah. Right. I mean, who starts off doing it well? Right. I mean, none, none of the great athletes out there. I mean, they didn't know how to dribble a ball or, you know, throw throw a football or anything like that. You know, start off doing it badly, and then it's just putting in the reps, really. So it is. It, it really is. It's a it's a muscle like anything else. And you know, I am working and meeting people and other musicians my, yeah. my contemporaries who have been singing since they were crawling and yeah. i'm the guy who's like i just started you know three years ago and so i think that there's definitely this there's a there's a pro and a con with that where any and all criticism that i receive i don't take personally because i think that i'm still growing and i'm still good changing. for and I, you i love the growth i love the change i love when my drummer says hey let's not do it like that let's do it like this i don't take good that for personally. you you know, and there are people that have had have been doing it for 20 years and maybe their mind is a little bit more focused and locked into something. And there's good and bads to both. And and I think that I'm just lucky to be able to have, you know, the the mindset that I have. I think that's an incredibly wise uh, way to go uh, to kind of, you know, to take 
um, you know, constructive criticism and to be coached and all that sort of jazz. Because at the end of the day, you're the one who decides, right? Right. Yeah. 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 So I, I think that's, I think that's a, a great way to go. Well, so you've started a couple of years ago, you're brand new kind of in this new industry or your, your new art form. Right. What's been the most gratifying part of your journey so far? The collaboration. Uh, yeah. I love the fact that music is so collaborative. Uh, when I went to, I went to high school at Suncoast Polytech, and yeah. there was not a lot of emphasis on collaboration, despite it being such a small school. And, and I was in the art program there, which, you know, I guess due to the traditional ways that we teach art, it's it's very difficult to kind of make that a collaborative thing. Um, everyone's got their own sketchbook, right? You're not you're not coloring on each other's. Um, <laughs> and of course, in the classroom, you know, everyone takes their own tests and stuff like that. And I grew up very independent. I'm an only child. I was yeah. raised by a single mom. I'm a very independent person. Right. But um, when I got into music and I and I went to to Suncoast and I was interacting with all of these amazing mentors and they were giving me lots of constructive criticism, but also helping me. I realized that this is such a you know, having too many cooks in the kitchen is actually a good thing. And you can, mm. you can really bring out, I mean, I think that the best, the best works of art have been a collaborative process. You know, all of my favorite movies, all of my favorite albums, clearly, you know, they have lots of people working on that and it's everyone bringing their a game. And I think that performance is the same way. I mean, nobody talks about the sound guys, but they're the people that make us good. Shout out the sound guys, like your brother, you know, who's, who's providing all of that equipment. That's they're correct. the real heroes here. Yeah. And when you when you tap into it and you realize that I, I actually I, I think this might have been um, a Jordan Peterson quote. Um, I heard somewhere a few years ago on a podcast, somebody said, I like to succeed in company. And I've always mm. loved that quote, you know, succeed mm. in company. Make sure that when you're winning, everyone else is, too. That's the way that life should work. Couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And that 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 is that's that's great insight about, you know, just just really kind of. um you know, just being grateful for what you have. And um, even on this short journey that you've taken so far, it's great insight to give our, our listeners here. So, so t talk a little bit more about the collaborations that you've had with some of the other artists. Yeah. So like I mentioned uh, before, Brady Miller, um, he was a, a pianist here. He, he played, he played drums. He, he sang, he was an R and B um uh, writer and he was amazing and he was friends with Ryan Bauckham and and Ryan connected us and he was 10 years my senior I was 17 and he really took a chance on me he was like there's no reason why we why we can't work together why we can't write together and so you know when um when we would be on lunch break at Suncoast uh he would he would write with me and he really showed me the ropes and I was very comfortable just being a songwriter I wasn't really interested in this being a career and he is the person who said, you're not going to songwrite only, you're going to do some backup vocals. And then that turned into, you're going to sing lead on this hmm. and you're going to produce yourself and you're going to play yourself. You're going to learn piano so you can perform solo. He's always been the person who kind of takes me to that next level, encourages me to, to go to that next level. And I played with him for a long time. Same with our friend James Harper. But on, on the other end, I've worked with a lot of producers online and i'm an online kid i loved using the internet when i was a kid sure. I, had, I had access to it at a very young age i'm kind of that first generation to like really be able to use the internet as a as a strong resource and i mean i've every time i put out a song i connect with a edm artist in you know 
uh, Finland or Norway or Africa, and they will remix my songs and put their wow. own spin on it. And I love that because I love being able to take a bunch of raw materials, which is my stems, my musical stems, like tracks and vocals, yeah, yeah. Yeah, send yeah. it to somebody else, and they just completely make something new from it. It's like giving two people the same Lego set and seeing what they can do with it. It's so cool. And this this is what blows me away about this industry. It, you know, really, that you can shoot a file off, clear around the world, and somebody from a different culture has a different insight. They can take that, and they just put a completely different spin on it. It just kind of blows me away. Yeah, it's it's not only that. It's also like what I've, what I've had to understand in the mixing and mastering process is different artists have different preferences for where they want their song to be played. It's yeah. not just like, what kind of song can we make it? It's like, is this a club banger? Is this supposed to be on a cruise? Is this supposed to be something that is really sonic and you listen to it with high fidelity, high fidelity headphones and that's where like you're putting all your attention? There's a level of... Every time that you hear a song, if you really like it, if you think it sounds really good, try to pay attention to where you are and what you're using to listen, because mm. that could be part of the part of the why, part of the structure that the that the producers and the engineers were thinking about, and that's so cool to me as well. Well, that's fascinating. I I've always kind of considered that I've had kind of an eclectic taste in music. I mean, I, I've liked everything from Frank Zappa to uh, Tibetan throat music, you know. And, uh, yeah, awesome. and everything, and everything in between, but that's, I'm never, I'm not a musician, certainly, Sure. but it's something that I have always appreciated about the, the artwork there is it, it's, it's not ubiquitous, but it's ubiquitous, but it can, it can just take so many different forms. And what has blown me away is particularly through the internet and the technology, which has come down in price and allows, you know, starting artists like you to mix your own work and whatnot to create things that you just could not have otherwise, basically my generation growing up, because you had to go into a sound booth and you had to go to a Correct. studio and, you know, it's very expensive. And now, you know, for, you know, basically peanuts, you can, you can buy some decent equipment and you can mix your own, you know, lay your own tracks down and mix it yourself. And, uh, I, I've just, I'm blown away by it. Now there's a lot of junk out there. When I say junk, I mean, it's my own, it's my own preferences <laughs> and whatnot. Right. But, the, yeah, but of it's just, it's just really, it's really fascinating what you guys are doing. Absolutely. Music at the, at the very core is a conversation and there's many ways that conversations can go. Interesting. I, I like to think of music as emotional manipulation. It's, it can be formulaic. <laughs> it can be an appeal to your, to your emotions. It can, it, it's the same way that every time that you talk to someone different, you kind of leave feeling different. And if you think of it like that, there's an infinite amount of possibilities that you can do. And yeah. being able to take young people especially and give them, you know, like you said, equipment for peanuts and say, hey, try this method of expression. Right, right. Let's right, see what right. we get from that. That is so powerful because like you said, it used to take many, many, many people and many thousands of dollars. It's It still kind of does for people that are – in different stages, but the entry is so much cheaper and so much more rewarding being able to do everything yourself. Interesting. Interesting. How do you write? I mean, how, when, how do, how do, how do the lyrics come to you? Do you, is, is it, is it kind of like, you know, you, you sit down, okay, between uh, two to 4 PM, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to write right. or do things come to you kind of organically? I, so this is like, this question like gets to the center and core of the universe, doesn't it? Like, how do you, how do you write? 
I, I would say that there's two answers. And I would say that there's two different types of songs that someone can write. The first one is I wake up at two in the morning and I'm, I'm hearing something in my head and I take out my phone and I lay a recording down and I go back to sleep. And mm. that becomes a song. And that's how Michael Jackson wrote Billie Jean. That's how a lot of artists have written amazing right. songs. It comes to you from somewhere else, right? Whatever you think that thing is. And the other thing, though, is I really, really try to stay away from the idea that you can have writer's block. I don't really believe that to be a thing. I grew up writing. I grew up on forums. That was my main method of expression. Wow. And I, ever since I was five years old, I was writing on forums. I won a lot of awards for writing in school. And so to me, I, I actually do have a system like that. I sit down between 2 and 4 p.m. and just write something and anything. And you get good at it. And you take away all the fluff. You know, a lot of people struggle to write. They have a system. They have a, a pre-write ritual. Same as, as musicians have pre-show rituals. Wow, that's interesting. I mean, because it's, it's, it's just like it, it's just like a copywriter or anybody else. You you, you write, you just kind of lay it down, and then you go back and you edit later. And right. that's actually that's actually one of the critical problems I've always had whenever I'm writing email or something. I edit while I write, and then I, yes. and it takes me forever to yeah, get not, through. Yeah, exactly. That's not what what no, uh, that's, that's not right. the optimal way. It should be a dump. Yeah, and there should be a, a a time dedicated solely to revision. And everyone's guilty of it. I still do it, too, of course. Yeah, but yeah, I've yeah. actually made a big point to I write everything now on piano and I don't worry about drums or sound selection or the mm. mix at all until I know I have a certain amount of, um, you know, a, a basically a certain progress in the formula um, before I even stress on that kind of stuff because it will take you out of the flow state. Entering flow state is a, a very powerful tool. Yeah, yep, yep. In the zone, in the zone. Athletes Absolutely. talk about that and everything. It's it's funny. Years ago, I was listening to Mick Jagger, and he was talking about. He was being interviewed. And said, "Well, you know, how do you write music?" He goes, "Well, he said, you know, I used to think that it was supposed to be organic. He says, but you know, once we really became a band, and once we really started to, you know, make money, and people expected us to produce content, he said, you know, I'd come into the studio, and he said, you know, you kind of feel like your voice isn't quite right. He said, but you know, you just have to go in there, and put you know the content down." And then you come back and edit. And I th think Faith Hill, the same thing. I, I'm thinking back, she was the same. You know, when she first started to write, it was, again, organic. You know, verses would come to her, and she would um, she would write them down. But then once she signed on with the label, they said, oh, no, this you have to be in here at this time. Right. And, and, you know, so, they, so there's a discipline to it in order to, in order to really put out uh, – the music for for the listeners. Absolutely. And I always think it's funny when I'm a big album listener. I love listening to albums. I'm more likely to listen to an album all the way through than just one specific song or like have a playlist. And just as you said, people will walk in and to the studio and their voice won't feel right. And you'll you'll take a listener will take an album and they'll say, oh, I like, you know, I like uh, Pretty Odd by Panic at the Disco more than I like mm. A Fever You Can't Sweat Out. Mm. And they group the the whole album based mm. on those songs. But I bet you that some of those musicians will be like, well, I, I don't feel like I sounded great, you know, track three through right, six. And right. I actually think I sounded more like this song from this album. Like things aren't always as uniform and as neat as the listener, as it's presented to the listener. And um, every time that you walk into a studio, you get that feeling of like, I shouldn't be here. I've got the imposter syndrome. I have no right, idea how right, to right, 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 what is right. going on. Yeah, yeah. But you well, get through it. You do you do what you do with anything else to get good at it. You do it again.
Yeah, the imposter the imposter syndrome hits podcasters too. So absolutely, <laughs> like myself, I'm sure well, the let, moment you press record, you're like, "What do I?" Talk yeah, about? right, right, right. Well, hopefully, I prepare well enough. So you're you're actually working on your first full album. Is that correct? Correct. Well, tell us a little bit about it, or unless you don't want to give it away, <laughs> here's here's what I'll say. So my the thing that I love the most about music and kind of kind of my, where I see myself going in music. Um, is I I grew up listening to and idolizing artists who invented new genre of music. That's yeah, hopefully when yeah, I when right. I leave this planet, I want to be able to say that I've I've taken a sound That's and tough. I've diverted. It is very tough. Yeah. It is very tough. And there are artists like Quincy Jones who basically invented pop music, Teddy Riley with New Jack Swing, Doc yep, yep. McKinney with alternative R and B. I love yep. those guys. And my focus is taking all of the genres of music that I've kind of had in my life, had been circling throughout my life and in my head and being able to make something different. And so my debut project is titled A Goddess Returns. And it will be, I will be debuting a new genre of music in Sarasota. And I'm very, very excited to Good for you. present it to everybody. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you, man. I mean, because, you know, if you have this inside, you have to, you have to do it because, what will happen is, is and I'm, I'm sorry doing the age thing here, is <laughs> you will be amazed at how fast years fly by and you'll say, you know, why didn't I do that back then? Because the opportunities do pass. And so you have to do it. And so I want to encourage you to, to continue to do that and continue to create. And so I'm really curious about what this, and it's called The Goddess? It's called A Goddess Returns. A Goddess Returns. Yes, so, I'll, have to, I'll have to send you a copy when it comes that out. That would be great. I think that, that would be a, great. I think that a lot of artists start with thinking like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do popular music. I'm going to do covers. I'm going to do what I need to do to get in there. And then I'm going to change the industry. But it's always, almost always the opposite. And I really, really like the artists who, when they're, when they're just starting out, when they're, you know, nobody, they, they take the time to experiment. They take the time to find their voice, find what works for them, try new things. And then once they get in the industry, they can start, you know, basically, conforming more to what the average listener is going to want to enjoy hmm. and but still holding on to those main principles and stuff that they founded if you if you just go in and you you really don't have a structure you don't have a foundation you're not going to feel authentic and so i wanted to be able to say no i created i started with the project that felt the most like me before hmm. i did anything else hmm. so so are you saying I guess as you were talking, I was thinking back to Bob Marley because, you know, Bob Marley's early tracks, they were really, really raw. Mm. And then I don't know if he signed a deal or got some executives or, or you know, some music executives because it's going back, you know, up before the internet. Right. And they kind how can they, they kind of smoothed it out and popped it up a little, not sure. popped it, that's the wrong term, but made it more... Commercial. Uh, a, a more commercial, but more yeah. more appealable to uh, you know to the you know to the public at large. Mm -hmm. I mean, so I think that I think that that is a product of what does the artist want as yeah. well, though. You know, yeah, does yeah. the artist want to be able to have a song that a million people are going to chant in an arena, or do they want something really obscure and interesting that maybe only they like? Well, you only really care about the second thing when you're young and when you're you know new. But once you start to become a household name, you want to give those households something that they can relate to. Right. And you want to give them something. I love pop music. I think pop music itself is sure. a beautiful thing. I think that people that are like, I don't like pop music, I think that's kind of weird. It's kind of like not liking popular movies or, or liking 
you know, avocado because it's popular. I don't know. Like, I think that there's a beauty to the the obscure, and there's also a beauty to the formula. It is an art form. It is math, and it is something that you should really take um, seriously. You know, those pop hits. Those people are amazing songwriters. Yeah, but but you you know the thing that that I guess amazes me, and and you know the, the internet for me has been the last twenty five years, right? And so mm-hmm. it came on. I didn't quite understand it, what it really meant. And you think the internet, and we use the internet, we kind of throw it around. But the internet, you think, is just like this big ocean. And it's not. It's, it's, it's 10 billion you know, tiny little segments, if you will, Correct. that people can tap into, little, right. little nodes, if you will. And the thing is, is you, know, you can pick yourself, right? I mean, you don't have to have a label get behind you. You can continue to put great content out there. Now, obviously, you have to have a strategy. You have to have you know deadlines of what you're going to produce. Right. That's kind of the business side of me, you know, coming out. But I'm just, it's the thing is, you don't have to, you don't have to, you know, you know, you don't have, to, you don't need anybody's um, approval to just continue to write your music and put it out there on the internet. And so, I guess, I guess the point that I'm making is like you just continue to put it out there and see what type of traction you can get. Absolutely. Um, I read a book called um, It's All in Your Head by Russ, who is a popular musician. And although I'm not really a fan of Russ, and I haven't actually listened to most of his work, he talked a lot about that, about the – it's not just about quality over quantity. It's finding um, kind of the equilibrium between those two things. And I think he put out six full albums before he even got any traction on his work. And I mean, stuff like that, I I always think those stories are amazing. And all of the artists – um, I mean, even even The Weeknd, even BTS, some of these artists that are now household names that are kind of newer, they were able to be to stay kind of independent and take the world by storm because they were putting out more high quality music than their their competition, basically. And mm. they were able to find that equilibrium. And that's how you get, uh, you know, I think The Weeknd released 30 songs before right he was signed and that right. was in a year and a half whereas most right. artists take two three years to put out a 10 track album like and the music's good and people liked it and so he built a cult following and he was able to you know use that as leverage to sign big deals and now he's playing the super bowl and your brother's backlining him too yeah years later, yeah like, well that's exactly right he did he provided the equipment for it but you know i, I can't remember the artist's name he's in the country john john ribbit He's being interviewed, and the interviewer asked him, well, how many songs have you written? And he says, oh, he says, I've written maybe a 1,000 songs. Sure. He goes, well, how many were any good? He goes, 10. Yeah, of course. And so I, I guess the thing is, and, and I will say, you know, from the business world, there's a guy that I followed. I, I was toying with becoming a copywriter a number of years ago. The guy's name is Bob Bly, and he's written many, many packages for the big, you know, financial newsletter houses out there in the health and wealth industry. But he's also put out, I don't know, at this point, 150 books on various topics in business. And so this guy's just a machine. But he also, beyond all of that content that he has produced over his you know, 35, 40 years of business, he has reams of stuff that have never seen the light of day. And so that's a, just a big part of it. It's just, I guess it's just the grind, you know? Yeah, I think that I think that at a certain point when you devote yourself to an art form, it becomes very healing to be able to you you basically change the way that you express yourself into those things. Mm. And so, you know, when I'm writing, sometimes I'll have a bad day or sometimes I'll have a really good day and I'll need to write something, but that doesn't necessarily mean that other people need to hear it. 
I think that's some of the songs in those a thousand songs. I know that、mm. a lot of artists like. You know,、um, like Madonna or Michael Jackson or Stevie Wonder, they're writing hundreds of songs. Yeah, ten are getting put on an album, but yeah, yeah, you need that momentum. Sometimes feeling good about one song will will give you the creative energy to try and experiment on another song, and then that song gets picked. Right, and I I think that if you asked every artist. What their favorite songs were of of themselves from an era? They're probably not going to pick songs that made it on an album. Interesting. <laughs>、so、they're probably going to. You, you should listen to some、yeah. of your favorite artists' demos. Yeah, yeah.、Uh, I love the Motown demos. I've been getting really into Stevie Wonder's demos recently.、Oh, really? Yeah, it's it's so gorgeous. It's gorgeous music. It's gorgeous. This blow. Th see, this blows me away because you know I have some twenty something year old、uh, daughters and whatnot, and one of them is into Billie Holiday, <laughs> Frank Sinatra. Oh yeah. Um, you know Dean Martin. I'm like, and she just goes, you know, Dad, this is great. This is this is great stuff. She goes, and this her. She says, you know, our generation doesn't have any talent, but she's kind of different. I mean, she walks a different beat, but which is not true. Obviously, there's a lot of great material that's out there and whatnot. But it just blows me away that the twenty something year olds are interested in the seventies and eighties and nineties and、e、even earlier. It's the foundation, you know.、Yeah. I like to think of that era as a textbook for music. And、yeah. if I want to get into this field, it's important to study up on the greats and see what made them great, and and also know that nobody will surpass them, and there isn't a reason to surpass them because no. now the,、right. the goal and the energy has shifted into doing something else. And I think that different artists have a different idea of what they want their artistry to be. And I think that the biggest thing that Modern music has done. That's a good thing. Is shifting the focus to mental health. There's,、hmm. like you said, people can get into music for peanuts. Everybody can have a microphone, and so you've got cultural beacons of what the people want and need and what they're feeling through a year or two of music, rather than a decade of music. You know, the 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 focus and the subject matter of music changes very quickly now, especially with social media and our short attention spans. And that is it sounds like a bad thing, but it is really cool to be able to be like, okay, there's a police brutality、uh, protest, and Usher puts out a song the same week addressing that issue. Whereas I think that back in the day, because it took so much longer for the music process to happen, you only really got those anthems for specific subjects that were collaborative efforts, and it took a long time to do. It. Like We Are the World is a great example. Um, I love We Are the World, and that that was everybody in the industry at the time. But I think that they could have done more of that. The superstars of of the previous era could have done more of that. And I'm happy that new artists are dedicating entire albums to subject matter like that. So, so you're not only in your studio recording tracks and whatnot. You are performing. So, talk about where you're performing now and where you hope to perform in the future. Right now,、um, right now we're doing. So I have a I have a a live act. I write and produce and sing all of my own music. But some of my best friends from high school and some of those mentors I talked about from Suncoast play with me for live performances. And so when you go and see Miyumbra at a show, you're you're seeing a full band, which is really cool. It completely changes how the studio songs sound. Interesting. And I love giving the freedom to my band members to play how they want to play. I don't say play it like the record. I'm like experiment, have fun, and it gives kind of a different. Different vibe,、um, right now. Just like playing, the Grateful Dead used to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, so I think that's so cool. I love it when when <laughs> pop stars, especially, play with full bands because it brings such a different energy. 
Um, we're playing right now at the at the farmers market. We're going to have a lot of shows this year at the Sarasota Farmers Market. Cool. And we're kind of doing that because the Sarasota it's, that's the Sarasota Farmers Market, right? Correct? The downtown Sarasota yep. Farmers Market. Um, we played a lot of big stage shows, and yeah. we will still have a lot of big stage shows. But the farmers market is a sweet spot for the band because they love getting in the face of the people, and they really love that intimacy. Good, good, um, good. It's a lot like church in that way, I think, and that's good. kind of what brings that feeling out but we're also going to be playing at uh, ringling underground this year in the fall oh we'll neat. Be doing some shows um in tampa we'll be doing some shows in st pete and so if you go to meumbra.com you'll be able to see the upcoming shows i try to put them up a month or two in advance and so go to meumbra.com and and uh check That's out right. those shows so you can see it Nice website there. And Meumbra is M-E-U-M-B-R-A.com, Meumbra. And that's Meumbra Music. But if you go there, you can find out more about where they're going to be and uh, the current uh, acts that are coming up and whatnot. Is there any other place where people can contact you? Yes. So the best way to contact me, if you'd, if you'd like to book or if you'd like to just say hi, um, you can message me on Instagram or Facebook or you can send me a email to meumbramusic at gmail.com and um, reach out. If you if you go to my website and scroll all the way to the bottom, there is a newsletter and you can input your information, get the newsletter. And like I said before, Great. I'm a writer. I love crafting these personal newsletters. I give people deals on merch. I tell them about shows, give them you know behind the scenes content. I love being interactive in that way. Um, so please, please subscribe to that newsletter because I really want to make it um, a bigger thing. I've got, I've got around a hundred people right now and I'd like to grow it. Well, listen, it's been a pleasure having you on this show and, uh, I would be, nothing would please me more than to think that I did my teeny little piece about getting <laughs> you some exposure out there. And one day I flip on the, the uh, TV and I go, Hey, I, I, I know that guy. <laughs> right. Yeah. We'll just, we'll just put this into your management contract. Uh. <laughs> That's right. Well, this has been a pleasure having you on the show and everybody, thank you for tuning in. And, um, uh, we, uh, it's just been a pleasure having you on. Thank you so much for stopping by. I sure hope you enjoy listening to our interviews as much as we do providing them. If so, would you do me a little favor? Go to sarasotastories.co and enter in your email. That way you'll get notifications of all upcoming episodes. Also, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And remember, no matter where you go, to listen, learn, and connect. <music>